John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, these are words of Jesus Christ to his disciples. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words that Jesus spoke and how Jesus lived and how he gave his life for us, and how he took that life back up again for us. Thank you for Jesus. And thank you that his words are not a secret. You have revealed them to all people, easily accessible. Open our minds and our hearts to the words of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the one and only Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And as I mentioned, this is still the season of Easter. We're still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in a way then, because of that resurrection, we're also thankful for our pending resurrection. So according to the church calendar, the season of Easter is called a week of weeks. So seven weeks, each week consisting of seven days. So we're still saying and still thankful that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And don't ever get tired of saying that. Jesus tells us today, as part of that joy and that gratitude, that he will not leave you or me as orphans. You know, as I was growing up, I was told that somebody on mom's side of the family had grown up in an orphanage. And so I used to wonder about what that would have been like for her as a little girl and then a teenager, how that would have impacted her. To be cared for, yes, but not by family, but by people who were probably paid to do it. To live in a a building, have a roof over her head, some space in that building, but not really a home. So I wondered, and as an adult, I checked into it. And I found out that there was a lot more to it. So her name was, I'm going to call her by name, she's a person, Mary Steele. No, I'd known that much. I discovered that Mary was born on the 5th of December, 1866, sorry, 1866, in Mitchell County, Iowa, right up close to the Minnesota border. Three weeks later, her mother passed away. Her father, William Steele, did not raise her. But, contrary to what I'd been told, she was not put in an orphanage. Instead of that, little Mary was taken in by her mother's parents. So I found, just to a sense of well, relief and gratitude, that she was raised not by strangers, 
but by her grandma and her grandpa Godfrey. She was not left as an orphan. She also had ten aunts and uncles on her mother's mother's side, several of whom are still living at home. She had family. She was loved. As for her dad, he got remarried about ten months later, had children with his new wife, and moved about two counties away. Now we're looking at God, and He does not leave us as orphans. He could, but He does not. In the Gospel of John, we hear that Jesus was going to be leaving the earth and returning to His home, but He was not going to leave His disciples here as orphans. Jesus was telling them this just shortly after He was letting them know that he was going to be going away. He had told them, I am going to prepare a place for you. Then he also told them that at some time in the future, he would come back for them. He said, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And I'm sure that's a promise that they were holding on to then, and I know we're holding on to now. What about in the meantime? Between those two moments, before and after, how long would Jesus be gone? What was going to happen until his return? It's a good question to ask, because this is not an easy world. This is a world where there is much too much hostility, violence, anger, and fear, and betrayal. This is a world where sometimes people are persecuted for simply believing something. Sometimes even now, beheaded. Sometimes crucified. Was Jesus going to leave them on their own to find their own way in this world and cope with it as best as they could? No, that's not what's going to happen. They would not be on their own. They would not be left as orphans. Jesus would see to it that they would have, in my translation in the ESV, it says a helper. I think the ESV said counselor. We're not going to be left alone either. We have a helper to be with us who will never leave us. In Scripture, the word that's translated here as helper or as counselor is used to describe God. In Psalm 10:14, the psalmist, for example, asks God for help, saying, "You have been the helper for the fatherless." In Hebrews 13:6, we hear, "The Lord is my helper; I will not fear. What can man do to me?" This is good news. We have an amazing helper. So, who was this helper whom Jesus was going to be sending to his disciples? Jesus identifies him as spirit of truth. Good. I need the truth. I don't want to be lied to. God's going to be honest with us. But then in verse 26, Jesus calls him the Holy Spirit. So, this helper, this counselor that he's sending is not just a wise, strong human being. It's not just another angel, though angels are competent, capable helpers too. More than this, 
This helper that he's sending to us is part of the Trinity. You remember the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. That is who our helper is, our counselor. Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit would dwell with his disciples. And even more, would dwell inside of them right there with their souls. So that means that wherever one of them would go, the Holy Spirit would go with them too. And that applies to us. We have help. We have this helper. So in a world that can be pretty difficult sometimes, none of the disciples would be left to themselves. Let's be honest. Let's tell the truth. We need help. We need help from God. We need this helper. The best of people, the kindest, the most competent, the wisest, the most sensible is not perfect. All of us are sinners. All of us sometimes fail. All of us sometimes encounter things that seem much too big for us. We are here to help each other, That's part of being part of God's family. But the Holy Spirit can help in ways that nobody else can. We all try to be a better person. But we don't have to do it alone. We all try to resist temptations and fight them off. But we don't have to rely just on our own strength. We all try to figure out the right things to do. And try to make the best plans that we can. We do not have to think that through by ourselves. We try to keep God's commandments. They're all good. If Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and it would be a fantastic world if all of us would do that. Think about what it would be like to live in a place where everyone kept all of God's commandments. This makes it so frustrating because we each fail. Elsewhere in Scripture, Paul, clearly what we go through also every day, that he knows the right thing to do, and so often he fails to do it anyway. All of us, if we're honest with ourselves and with God, can admit, I have lived as if God did not matter, and as if I mattered the most. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. He will confront you for it, and that's a good thing. He will be completely honest with you. He will not leave you there to try to figure it all out by yourself. He will remind you that Jesus died a real death, and Jesus rose again to a real life, so that those sins can be blotted out, so you can be forgiven, so you can have eternal life. And this same Holy Spirit will stay with you through every temptation and he will stay with you to build the ways of God inside of you. We do need help. We have the helper, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus has not and will not leave us to ourselves. Jesus asked his Father to send the Holy Spirit to people like us. Jesus does not leave us as orphans. 
That is not a maybe. That's not an I hope so. That's a promise. And Jesus has kept every promise, and he always will. Now, all those years ago, 1866, little Mary was not left as a street child. She was not put into an institution. She was not sent by train somewhere to live with people she didn't know. She was loved. She was fed. She was kept clean. All the things that babies need and little children need and teenagers need. She had a grandpa who I think was probably at the perfect age to be a grandpa. He was about 60. Grandma was about 50 for her. One of her aunts was about eight. And another one of her aunts was about 12. You know little Mary was getting lots of attention. She learned that she was loved. She learned about right and wrong. She learned how to be part of a family. She learned how to live with honesty and integrity and kindness. Her family was teaching her the truth. So was the Holy Spirit. Mary could hear that Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And she would find that there would be times when she would fail. Even Mary, my grandmother's grandmother, would break those commandments. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit would tell her the truth, that Jesus had kept every commandment for her, perfectly, without fail, in her place, all the time, everything that she could not do, Jesus had done for her. His righteousness would count for her. That is grace. That was how much Jesus loved her. That's why Jesus laid down his life for her. Every one of her sins, every moment when she ignored God and ignored his ways, every one of her failures would be held against Jesus instead of her. He could take it. In the eyes of God, she would not be counted guilty for anything. She'd be forgiven, as if she had always kept every commandment of God perfectly. The Holy Spirit would remind her of that truth again and again and again. Mary would grow up and she'd pass that good news along. Even as she and her husband would build a home together. Even when that home was just a sod dugout with a dirt floor. Her seven children would be cared for. They'd be protected. They'd be taught the truth. And the Holy Spirit would be active in their lives too. Because they would also need help from heaven. She was not going to leave any of them as orphans. She was going to show them who Jesus is and what he had done for her. Her family and your family have a Savior. We all need to know that. The cross and the resurrection are all about our forgiveness and our everlasting life, achieved for us by Jesus. Because then and now, we have the one who created this universe perfect, who created life to be perfect, who was a real, compassionate, a protective, and honest, a perfect father. And his home is ready for his children. And it's a big home. 
We have this helper. By God's grace, through faith in Christ. He takes everything that Jesus has accomplished for you and brings it to you. That faith, that trust that's inside of you is created by Him. He draws you towards God. He nurtures your conscience because He wants you to be able to discern what's wrong and what's right. He helps you to understand God's Word. He strengthens you for those times when you need to stand firm for what's right. He works in your life to lead you to be a faithful witness to God's grace and also toward those good works in this world. Of course, we know that those good works are not going to save you, but they do make this world a better place. That's why we do them. Just love and gratitude. He works in your life to get you ready to live in God's home. So by God's grace, through faith, you are a child of God. You are His son or His daughter. His family, born from above, born new. Not orphans. You have a Father in heaven who is not going anywhere, not two counties away, not two galaxies away. He's going to stay close. You have a Savior who fought to the death to bring you life, who will never abandon you, who will seek after you any time you abandon Him. God has taken action for people who have made themselves spiritual orphans. Jesus is going to stand by His promise, because I live, you also will live. He wants life for your future. He wants resurrection for you. He wants hope and peace for you, now and forever. And Jesus was determined to shed His own holy and innocent blood to make that happen. And He was determined to send the Holy Spirit to you, to draw you into His family, to build your trust in Christ, to strengthen you, to keep the commandments, and to lift you up when you fail. To change you and I so that we don't keep the commandments just because we have to or because we're afraid of what God will do if we don't. We do it because this is who we are now. A son of God. A daughter of God. You know, Peter reminds us that the enemies of Jesus could not keep him down. They could not stop his life. They could not stop Jesus from saving you. Jesus rose, and as we're told, he is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So what is Jesus doing with all that power and all that authority? Jesus rose so that you can rise with him. He lives so that you can live with Him. Not just off in a distant future, but right now. Your eternal life is not something that starts at a time in the future. It's something that you have begun to live here and now. Today, you're living as a child of God. The life that you're living now, by faith, is not going to end. You will remain you. Someday it will continue in a different way, a, a new way. 
because you'll be able to see with your eyes what you can now know by faith. Jesus said, and it stands for us, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. In the meantime, we're here, and Jesus has not left us as orphans. Jesus has already taken those nail holes in his hands and in his feet. He's already shed his holy and innocent blood. His heart had already stopped until it started up three days later. He's endured all of that, and he's not going to give up on you now. He is not going to leave you to have to find your way on your own. He sent you a helper, a counselor. Of course he has. We need help, and he knows it. So he's going to continue to provide. He's going to stay with you. He's going to provide forgiveness for you. He's going to urge you to repent. He's going to urge you to trust him. And he's opening the way to life for you. The reason for your hope can be put in very simple words. Christ is risen. And because he is risen, you will be raised to life. You are not an orphan. You are a child of God. By the grace of God. Through faith in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done for us. We can see an example here of what you've done for the grandmother of my grandmother, Mary, and through the lives of her children like Ina and her twin Lina and my grandma Neva, and my mom, Carol. And you're going to continue that generation after generation. You want to be known. You want people to know what Jesus has done. You want the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. And that will never end. Anything that gets in the way of that, Father, clear out. Urge us to repent of those things. Urge us to trust you. Rely on you. And know that you are being honest and straightforward with us in everything. So, Father, help us to live as a son or daughter, not as an orphan, not left to ourselves, but with you close to us. Because in this world, we go through tough times. Everyone in this world goes through something tough. We're thankful that you'll be with us. So we're never having to face anything by ourselves. Help us to listen. Help us to trust because you, you care about us and you're always honest with us. Thank you. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen.